This is the Wealth Game Podcast, where business owners and investors learn the game of growing and keeping more of their wealth through the same tax and investment strategies used by the wealthy. Your host, Brent Beeman, is a CPA, tax advisor, and president of Beeman & Company. I got to start with today's episode by just saying how awesome you are and how much, how thankful I am for you listening to the podcast. How many people will go and, and listen to tax or, or talk about and listen to uh, tax strategies and talk about the tax code? There's not a lot of people that do it, but that's it. There are things that you have to understand in order to take the next step. You've got to understand like the way that the bank looks at your finances, the way that the bank looks at your, your tax returns, the way the IRS looks at it, the way that business owners look at it, the way the investors look at it. So thank you for listening to the podcast. I love having you, love, love your comments, love the questions that you're giving me. Uh, I, I just want to help you out wherever I can. Uh, this one, it's like, I, this one, um, I, feel that I feel a little differently about this one because I remember specifically in my tax class, it was like 15 years ago, learning about uh, like the names and the different categories of income and when, when income was taxable, when it wasn't. And I remember like going through my first tax return, like looking at the page one of it with the professor and them explaining just everything they explained. I remember just going way over my head. It just made no sense. Like all, all these words mean the same thing, but they were so specific on the, on the wording and the way they said it. Like, I remember that time when it just started to actually, it wasn't clicking yet for me, but I just remember going through that. It was a painful process to start like understanding why specific sections of the tax return made sense and why if one was called a certain thing, why it had a completely different meaning for different people and and for different purposes. So I I preface it with that because this is, this can be one of those things that can get very confusing. It's like a word play, like a game with words where it's like you just change one of the keywords and it changes the meaning of everything. So, and we will go into more of this and I've talked about it quite a bit in the past about these specific like, lines on the tax return that make an impact. But today we're going to talk about the adjusted gross income and the adjusted gross income in short. And this is like the tax nerd side of me saying in, in short, we'll, we'll call it the AGI. And that, that means adjusted gross income and bankers will refer to AGI adjusted gross income. There's people reviewing your tax returns. We'll look at AGI and you also need to look at AGI. You need to understand what it is. AGI, another nerdy tax thing with it is there's like above the line deductions and below the line deductions. And above the line is is like the line. Think of like a line, like if you're looking at a financial statement, the line is where AGI is. If you're above the line, it's something that impacts AGI, which also impacts taxable income. But there are things after AGI that are below the line. And so that's another thing. If, if people are saying, oh, that's an above the line deduction, that's something that happens before or as you're calculating your AGI. So here's why it's important and why, why I want you to understand it. AGI, the banks, like when they're looking at when they're looking at what you're gonna like what you can qualify for, what type of loan you can get, they're looking at your AGI. They're gonna look at your adjusted gross income and they've got all sorts of adjustments beyond that. But that's a lot of them, most of the time, they will be looking at that as your base starting point. So if you know what your AGI is, you can look at your tax return, you can point your finger to it. That will help you a ton when you're trying to qualify for loans because you're going to know what the bank's looking at. So as you're looking at it, let's make sure you're looking at the same thing that they're looking at. 
<clears throat> so that's <clears throat> AGI. And we'll go into some adjustments for it. So if you think of like, um, if you think of like the things above the line, above AGI, these are your, like, this is where your income goes. This is where your W-2s go. This is where your investment income goes. That's your interest. That's your dividends. That's all, of course, increasing your AGI. Then there are certain things that will decrease your AGI. And I'm just going to go through some of the list. It's actually, it's not a huge list. Like it, it's not, it's not massive because as part of your AGI calculation, we do have, like, say you have a rental property, say you have a business, those things are just lumped like the net amount after all your expenses for those specifically, that's getting put into your AGI. But if you are an individual and if you've already considered your rental income or your business net income and your business expenses, or if you don't have a rental or you don't have like an investment business or you don't have a business, um, you do have some AGI deductions that you can, that you can use to reduce your AGI, to reduce your, your, your total overall income that you're going to be taxed on ultimately. So I do, this is mostly for you, for your people that you don't have a lot of options. Like say you are in retirement or you're getting close to retirement or you're a W-2 employee and you don't have all these other deductions and everything that we've covered. I just want you to be aware of what, what you can possibly do as part of the, these AGI deductions. And this is again, AGI deductions are things that reduce your AGI. So you do have these, and these are like, when people ask, like a lot of people do want to get into the complex strategies and uh, build up business entity structures and stuff. But if you don't want to do all that, if you're a W-2 employee and you just want to stick with the basics, these are the basics, the basic things that will reduce your AGI. So one is retirement contributions. Retirement contributions, that's money going into your 401k. That's money going into going into an IRA. Um, that's money that will reduce your AGI, of course. Uh, real quick, with the 401k, when you're a W-2 employee, that's money that's withheld out of your paycheck. Up to about $20,000 a year is what you can put into that. And into a personal IRA, a Roth IRA does not give you the tax deduction like a traditional IRA would, but a traditional IRA would directly reduce your AGI. And then we've got HSA. These are the health savings account deductions. And you have to have a certain, a specific type of retirement or a specific type of health plan health insurance plan that allows for these. But if you have that, you can put money into an HSA that reduces your AGI. And so just be aware, like if banks are going to ding you for having a lower AGI, there might be some times where it doesn't make sense. Like if you are so close to an income threshold and if you're below it at all, they're not going to approve you for a loan or something specific. You might not want to put that extra money into an IRA or that extra money into an HSA. But on the other hand, if you are close to, say you're, you're just over an income limit where you don't qualify for certain credit, let's say it's an earned income credit or say it's a tuition credit. If you're over about $160,000 of income, you don't qualify for the tuition tax credit if you're over that. So it might make sense to put money into that, into HSAs or retirement plans. Uh, another one are like alimony payments. I think it was, I think it was 2019. If there was a, there's a specific date in 2019, if you were divorced and the decree was issued before that time, your alimony deductions can or could have been deductible still. Um, but now current divorces and current alimony payments are not deductible. But if you still have, if you've been divorced for a while and you're paying alimony payments, that will reduce your 
your, uh, your AGI. So make sure if you're paying those, make sure alimony payments, make sure you're including that as a tax deduction. And then there's a couple other ones. Uh, again, there's not a, this isn't a huge list because there's not a lot of these adjustments. The other one are their educator expenses, which is not a lot of money, but it's $250 for an educator. Like say, if you're a professor or a school teacher, uh, even if you're a W-2 employee, you can have some of those out-of-pocket costs. Again, it's not a lot, but it's up to $250 a year. Make sure if you're paying for any extra paper or pencil or supplies or snacks for your kids, make sure you're taking that deduction. It's a small amount. And then the last one, uh, pretty commonly misunderstood, is moving expenses. But years ago, I think I think it changed in 2018. I don't recall exactly, but uh, we used to have moving expenses where we could deduct moving expenses. Um, if your if your job was it's like 50 miles away, if it was 50 miles away further or further from your home than what your current job is, and anyone could take those, but they've changed it now. It's government employees, certain government employees, and military. You would still have moving expenses that you could deduct, but most of the population does not is not allowed to take moving expenses. Add it up. Probably if you've got a way to track it, I'd track it, send it into your tax preparer just in case, just in case it changes the tax law on it, but um, make sure to include moving expenses. So remember, th these are kind of the key, the key terms I'll leave you with. You've got gross income. Just make sure you know how to use these interchangeably. Gross income, that's like just your total, say gross pay that you receive for the year. If you have a $100,000 salary, your gross income is $100,000. And then below that, we get to adjusted gross income. Adjusted gross income is after these retirement contributions, after HSA, after educator expenses, after alimony amounts, that gets us to adjusted gross income. And then after adjusted gross income, which we're not going to go into today, there's your personal deductions. After adjusted gross income and after your personal deductions, you get to taxable income. So we got gross income, adjusted gross and taxable income. Just understand where those are. I'd, I'd recommend going on your tax return and pinpointing them and figure out where those are because it's helpful. Those are good numbers for you to understand in growing your wealth and saving on your taxes. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe and please provide a review of what you thought of this episode. For specific topic requests or questions to be covered, please email questions at wealthgamepodcast.com. 